for a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster, Monster Kid, Kid Radio. Radio. Here your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Monster Kid Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters. Modern Talk. And the head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster, Monster Kid, Kid Radio. Well, hello, hello, and welcome a podcast, but a podcast with a different distinction. It's me, off the cuff, talking about everything that I love artistically. Usually, it will be segregated to literature, novels, books. And films, but not only that. It may be a time where I talk upon cultural things, most specifically within the art medium. Whether it's movie news, book news, culturally, what's going on. It's literally a podcast about a man on his own, staring at the four walls and just thinking, "What am I?" It's not a rot. It's an articulate warbling. Hey everyone, welcome back to Black Clock Audio Tales. I'm your host and editor, producer, D.B. Spitzer. Today we're going to be talking about Beowulf or Anglo-Saxon sonnets or something dealing with uh, Old English. So stay tuned uh, or check the show notes and find out specifically what we're going to be talking about. If you want to keep the show going, help support the show, help uh, help keep it on the air, uh, why not go to pgttcm.podbean.com and become a member of our patrons. Also, look out for upcoming projects. We always have something going on. Become a member of one of our cults, uh, the t-shirt cult, the sticker cult, the... Uh, I don't know. You know, hey... Um, also, you could support us by going to paypal.me slash pgttcm or just telling people about us or supporting us and being our friends on social media, Instagram, Black Clock Audio Tales, uh, People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, Black Clock Audio Tales on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, but I don't do much with it occasionally. I do stuff, but hey, that's about it. So here we go with some Anglo-Saxon, Old English, talkity stuff. Section 13 of Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Simon Wainwright. Library of the world's best literature, ancient and modern, volume 2, section 13, selected works from Anglo-Saxon literature, Dior's Lament. Wayland, often wandered in exile, doughty earl, ills endured, had for comrades care and longing, 
winter cold wandering woe oft found since nith had brought such need upon him lambing wound on a lordlier man that passed over and this may too in beadlehild's beast her brother's death wrought no such ill as her own disgrace when she had openly understood her maidhood vanished she might no wise think how the case could thrive at all that passed over and this may too we have heard enough of hild's disgrace heroes of great were homeless made sorrow stole their sleep away that passed over and this may too theodoric held for thirty winters Meringsburg, as many have known that passed over and this may too we have also heard of ermenric's wolfish mind wide was his sway o'er the gothic race a ruler grim sat many a man in misery bound waited but woe and wished amain that ruin might fall on the royal house that passed over and this may too sitteth one sighing sundered from happiness all's dark within him he deems forth sooth that his share of evils shall endless be let such bethink him that through this world mighty god sends many changes to earls a plenty honor he shows ease and bliss to others sorrow now i will say of myself and how i was singer once to the sons of hilden dear to my master and dr was my name long were the winters my lord was kind happy my lot till Hiorinda, now by grace of singing has gained the land which the heaven of heroes erewhile gave me that passed over and this may too translation of f b gumir in the atlantic monthly february eighteen ninety one by permission of hofton and mifflin and company from the wanderer of times the wanderer waiteth god's mercy sad and disconsolate though he may be far o'er the watery track must he travel long must he row o'er the rhine crusted sea plod his lone exile path fate is severe mindful of slaughter his kinsmen friends is death mindful of hardships the wanderer saith oft must i lonely when dawn doth appear wail o'er my sorrow since living is none whom i may whisper my heart's undertone know i full well that in man it is noble fast in his bosom his sorrow to bind weary at heart yet his fate is unyielding 
help cometh not to his suffering mind. Therefore do those who are thirsting for glory bind in their bosom each pain's biting smart. Thus must I often afar from my kinsmen fasten in fetters my home-banished heart. Now, since the day when my dear prince departed, wrapped in the gloom of his dark earthen grave, I, a poor exile, have wandered in winter over the flood of the foam-frozen wave, seeking sad-hearted some giver of treasure, some one to cherish me friendless, some chief able to guide me with wisdom of counsel, willing to greet me and comfort my grief. He who hath tried it, and he alone, knoweth how harsh a comrade is comfortless care. Unto the man who hath no dear protector, gold wrought with fingers, nor treasure so fair, Chill is his heart as he roameth in exile, thinketh of banquets his boyhood saw spread. Friends and companions partook of his pleasures, knoweth he well that all friendless and lordless sorrow awaits him a long bitter while. Yet when the spirits of sorrow and slumber fasten with fetters the orphaned exile, seemeth him then that he seeth in spirit, meeteth and greeteth his master once more, layeth his head on his lord's loving bosom, just as he did in the dear days of yore. But he awaketh forsaken and friendless, seeth before him the black billows rise, sea-birds are bathing and spreading their feathers, hail-snow and hoar-frost are hiding the skies. Then in his heart, and more heavily wounded, longeth full score for his loved one his own, sad in the mind that remembereth kinsmen, greeting with gladness the days that are gone. Seemeth him then on the waves of the ocean, comrades are swimming well nigh within reach, yet from the spiritless lips of the swimmers cometh familiar no welcoming speech. So is his sorrow renewed and made sharper, when the sad exile so often must send thoughts of his suffering spirit to wander wide o'er the waves where the rough bellows blend so lest the thought of my mind should be clouded close must i prison my sadness of heart when i remember my bold comrade kinsmen how from the mead hall i saw them depart thus is the earth with its splendor departing day after day it is passing away nor may a mortal have much of true wisdom tell his world life numbers many a day he who is wise then must learn to be patient not too hot-hearted too hasty of speech 
neither too weak nor too bold in the battle, fearful nor joyous nor greedy to reach, neither too ready to boast till he knoweth man must abide when he vaunteth his pride, till strong of mind he hath surely determined whether his purpose can be turned aside. Surely the wise man may see like the desert how the whole earth of the world lieth waste, how through the earth the lone walls are still standing, blown by the wind and despoiled and defaced. Covered with frost, the proud dwellings are ruined, crumbled the wine halls, the king lieth low, robbed of his pride and his troop, have all fallen, proud by the wall, some the spoil of the foe. War took away, and some the fierce sea-fowl over the ocean, and some the wolf-gray, tore after death, and yet others the hero, sad-faced, has laid in earth-caverns away. Thus, at his will, the eternal Creator famished the fields of the earth's ample fold, until her dwellers abandoned their feast boards, void stood the work of the giants of old. One who was viewing full wisely this wall place, pondering deeply his dark, dreary life, spake then as follows his past thus reviewing years full of slaughter and struggle and strife whither alas have my horses been carried whither alas are my kins people gone where is my giver of treasure and feasting where are the joys of the hall I have known? Ah, the bright cup and the corseleted warrior. Ah, the bright joy of a king's happy lot. How the glad time has forever departed, swallowed in darkness as though it were not. Standeth a stead of the troop of young warriors stained with the bodies of dragons a wall the men were cut down in their pride by the spear points blood greedy weapons but noble their fall earth is enwrapped in the lowering tempest fierce on the stone cliff the storm rushes forth cold winter terror the night shade is darkening Hailstorms are laden with death from the north. All full of hardships is earthly existence. Here the decrees of the fates have their sway. Fleeting is treasure and fleeting is friendship. Here man is transient. Here friends pass away. Earth's widely stretching, extensive domain, desolate, all empty idle and vain.
in Modern Language Notes, translation of W. R. Sims. The Seafarer Sooth, the song I of myself can sing, telling of my travels, how in troublous days, hours of hardship oft I've borne, with a bitter breast care, I have been abiding, many seats of sorrow in my ship have known, frightful with the whirl of waves, when it was my part, narrow watch at night to keep on my vessel's prow, when it rushed the rocks along, by the rigid cold fast my feet were pinched, fettered by the frost, by the chains of cold. Care was sighing then, hot my heart around, hunger rent to shreds, courage in me, me sea-wearied, this the man knows not, he to whom it happens, happiest on earth, how I carked with care, in the ice-cold sea, overwent the winter, on my wandering ways, all forlorn of happiness, all bereft of loving kinsmen, hung about with icicles, flew the hail in showers. Nothing heard I there save the howling of the sea, and the ice-chilled billow whiles the crying of the swan. All the glee I got me was the gannet scream, and the swowing of the seal, stead of mirth of men, stead of the me-drinking, moaning of the sea-mew. There the storms moat on the crags, there the swallow of the sea, answered to them icy-plumed, and that answer oft the urn. Wet his wings were barked aloud, none of all my kinsmen could this sorrow-laden soul stir to any joy. Little then does he believe who life's pleasure owns, while he tarries in the towns in but trifling ills, proud and insolent with wine. How outwearied I often must outstay on the ocean path. Somber grew the shade of night, and it snowed from northward. Frost the field enchained, fell the hail on earth. Coldest of all grains, wherefore now then crashed together. Thoughts my soul within, that I should myself adventure the high streamings of the sea, and the sport of the salt waves. For a passion of the mind, every moment pricks me on, all my life to set a fairing, so that far from hence I may seek the shore of the strange outlanders. Yes, O oh, haughty of his heart, is no hero on the earth, nor so good in all his giving, nor so generous in youth, nor so daring in his deed, nor so dear unto his lord. 
that he has not always yearning unto his seafaring, to whatever work his Lord may have will to make for him. For the harp he has no heart, nor for having of the reins, nor in woman is his will, in the world he's no delight, nor in anything whatever, save the tossing o'er the waves, oh, forever he has a longing who is urged toward the sea. Trees rebloom with blossoms, birds are fair again. Winesome are the wide plains, the world is gay, all doth only challenge the impassioned heart of his courage to the voyage, whosoever thus bethinks him, or the ocean billows far away to go. Every cockacoo calls a warning with his chant of sorrow. Sings the summer's watchman, sorrow is his boding. Bitter in the bosom's hoard, this the brave man wots not of. Not the warrior rich in welfare, what the wanderer endures, who his paths of banishment widest places on the sea. For behold, my thought hovers over above my heart, o'er the surging flood of sea. Now my spirit flies o'er the homeland of the whales, hovers then afar, o'er the foldlings of the earth. Now again it flies to me, full of yearning, greedy, yells that lonely flyer, wets upon the whaleway, irresistibly my heart, o'er the storming of the seas. Translation by Stopford Brook The Fortunes of Men Full often it falls out by fortune from God, that a man and a maiden may marry in this world, find cheer in the child whom they cherish and care for, tenderly tended, until the time comes, beyond the first years when the young limbs increasing, grown firm with life's fullness, are formed for their work. Fond father and mother so guide it and feed it, Give gifts to it, clothe it, God only can know. What lot to its latter days life has to bring to some that make music in life's morning hour. Pining days are appointed of plaint at the close. One the wild wolf shall eat, hoary haunter of wastes. His mother shall mourn the small strength of a man. One shall sharp hunger slay, one shall the storm beat down, one be destroyed by darts, one die in war. One shall live losing the light of his eyes, feel blindly with fingers, and one lame of foot, with sinew wound wearily wasteth away, musing and mourning with death in his mind one failing feathers shall fall from the height of the tall forest tree yet he trips as though flying plays proudly 
in air till he reaches the point where the wood growth is weak. Life then whirls in his brain, bereft of his reason, he sinks to the root, falls flat on the ground, his life fleeting away afoot. On the far ways, his food in his hand, one shall go grieving, and great be his need, pressed due on the paths of the perilous lands, where the stranger may strike, where live none to sustain, all shun the desolate for being sad. One the great gallows shall have in its grasp, stained in dark agony till the souls stay. The bone house is bloodily all broken up, when the harsh raven hacks eyes from the head, the sallow-coated slits the soulless man, nor can he shield from shame, scare with his hands off from their eager feast prowlers of air. Lost is his life to him, left in no breath, bleached on the gallows being bides he is doomed cold death mists close round him called the accursed one shall die by the dagger in wrath drenched with ale while through wine on the mead bench too swift with his words through the hand that brings beer through the gay boon companion his mouth has no measure, his mood no restraint. Too lightly his life shall the wretched one lose, undergo the great till he left empty of joy. When they speak of him slain by the sweetness of mead, his comrades shall call him one killed by himself. Some have good hap and some hard days of toil, some glad glow of youth and some glory in war, strength in the strife, some sling the stone, some shoot, some shall handle the harp at the feet of his hero, sit and win wealth from the will of his lord, still quickly contriving the throb of the chords, the nail nimbly makes music awaits a glad noise while the heart of the harper throbs hurried by zeal translation by henry morley from judith the assyrian officers obeying the commands of holofernes come to the carouse they then at the feast proceeded to sit the proud to the wine drinking all his comrades in ill bold mailed warriors there were lofty beakers oft borne along the benches also were cups and flagons full of the hall sitters born the fated partook of them brave warriors with shields though the mighty weaned not of it awful lord of earls then was Holofernes, gold friend of men, full of wine joy. He laughed and clamored, shouted and dined, 
that children of men from afar might hear how the strong-minded both stormed and yelled, moody and mead-drunken, often admonished the sitters on benches to bear themselves well. Thus did the hateful one during all day his liegemen loyal keep plying with wine, stout-hearted giver of treasure, until they lay in a swoon. Holofernes has been slain by Judith. The Hebrews, encouraged by her, surprised the drunken and sleeping Assyrians. Then the band of the brave was quickly prepared, of the bold for battle stepped out the valiant men and comrades bore their banners went forth to fight straight on their way the heroes neath helmets from the holy city at the dawn itself shields made a din loudly resounded the, the threat laughed the lank wolf in the wood and the raven wan foul greedy for slaughter both of them knew that for them the warriors thought to provide their fill on the faded and flew on their track the dewy-winged eagle eager for prey the dusky-coated sang his war song the crooked beaked stepped forth the warriors the heroes for battle with boards protected for hollow shields, who a while before the foreign folk's reproach endured the heathen's scorn. Fiercely was that at the ash-beard play. To them all repaid all the Assyrians after the Hebrews under their banners had boldly advanced to the army camps. They bravely then forthright let fly showers of arrows of battle adders out from the horn bows of strongly made shafts stormed they aloud the cruel warriors went forth their spears among the brave the heroes were angry the dwellers inland with the loathed race the stern-minded stepped the stout in heart rudely awakened their ancient foes weary from mead with hands drew forth the men from the sheaths the brightly marked swords most choice in their edges eagerly struck of the host of assyrians the battle warriors the hostile minded not one they spared of the army folk nor low nor high of living men whom they might subdue by consent of gin and company translated by garnet the fight at maldon the anglo-saxons under burtnoth are drawn up on one side of panta stream the northmen on the other the herald of the northmen demands tribute burtnoth replies then stood on the stave stoutly did call the wyken's herald with words he spake who boastfully bore more the brin frerers and aaron 
to the earl where he stood on the shore. To thee me did send the seamen snell, bade to thee say, Thou must send to them quickly bracelets for safety, and tis better for you that ye this spare rush with tribute by off than we in so fierce a fight engage. We need not each spill, if ye speed to this, we will for the pay a peace confirm. If thou that riddest, who art highest in rank, if thou to the seamen at their own pleasure money for peace, and take peace from us, we will with the treasure betake us to ship, fair on the flood, and peace with you confirm. Burtnoth replied, his buckler uplifted, waved his slim spear, with words he spake, angry and firm gave answer to him, hearst thou seafarer, what saith this folk? They will for tribute spare shafts you pay, poisonous points and trusty swords, those weapons that you in battle avail not, herald of seamen, hark back again, say to thy people much sadder words. Here stands not unknown an earl with his band, who will defend this fatherland. Ethelred's home, mine own liege lords, his folk and feed, ye e'er fated to fall, ye heathen in battle, too base it me seems, that ye with our scats to ship may go unfought against so far, ye now hither into our country have come within, ye shall not so gently treasure obtain, shall spare and sword sooner beseem us, grim battle pay, ere tribute we give. The Northmen, unable to force a passage, ask to be allowed to cross and fight it out on an equal footing. Burtnoth allows this. Now room is allowed you. Come quickly to us, warriors to war, what God alone, who this battlefield may be able to keep waited the war wolves what water they reeked out the wiken's band west over panta o'er the clear water carried their shields boatmen to bank their bucklers bore their facing their foes ready were standing burtnoth with warriors with shields he bade the war agile work and the war band hold fast against the foes then fight was nigh, glory in battle, the time was come, that fated men should there now fall. Then outcry was raised, the raven circled, eagle, eager for prey. On earth was uproar, then they let from their fist the file-hardened spears, the darts well ground fiercely fly forth, the bows were busy, board point receive bitter the battle rush warriors fell down on either hand the youths lay dead by consent of jen and company 
Translation of Garnett. Cademan's Inspiration. He, Cademan, had remained in the secular life until the time when he was of advanced age, and he had never learned any song. For that reason, oftentimes, when it was decided at a feasting that all should sing in turn to the accompaniment of the harp, for the sake of entertainment he would arise for shame from the banquet when he saw the harp approaching him and would go home to his house. When he on a certain occasion had done this and had left the house of feasting and had gone to the stable of the cattle which had been entrusted to his care for that night, and when he there, after a reasonable time, had arranged his limbs for rest, he fell asleep, and a man stood by him in a dream, and hailed him, and greeted him, and called him by name, and said, Cadman, sing something for me. Then he answered and said, I cannot sing. I went out from the feast and came hither, because I could not sing. Again said the one who was speaking with him, Nevertheless, thou canst sing for me, said Cademan. What shall I sing? said he. Sing to me of creation. When Cademan received this answer, he began, he soon, to sing in glorification of God the Creator verses and words that he had never before heard. Then he arose from sleep, and he had fast in his memory all those things he had sung in his sleep, and to these words he soon added many others of song of the same measure worthy of God. Then came he in the morning to the town reeve, who was his alderman, and told him of the gift he had received. And the reeve soon led him to the abyss, and made that known to her, and told her. Then bade she assemble all the very learned men, and the learners, and bade him tell the dream in their presence, and sing the song so that by the judgment of them all it might be determined what it was and whence it had come. Then it was seen by them all, just as it was that the heavenly gift had been given him by the Lord himself. Alfred's Beatty, translation of Robert Sharp, from The Chronicle. Selection from the entry for the year 897. Then Alfred the king ordered long ships built to oppose the warships of the enemy. They were very nearly twice as long as the others. Some had sixty oars, some more. They were both swifter and steadier and also higher than the others. They were shaped neither on the Frisian model nor on the Danish, but as it seemed to King Alfred that they would be most useful. 
Then, at a certain time in that year, came six hostile ships to wit, and did much damage, both in Devon and elsewhere on the seaboard. Then the king ordered that nine of the new ships should proceed thither, and his ships blockaded the mouth of the passage on the outer sea against the enemy. Then the Danes came out with three ships against the king's ships, but three of the Danish ships lay above the mouth, high and dry aground, and the men were gone off upon the shore. Then the king's men took two of the three ships outside at the mouth and slew the crews. But one ship escaped. On this one all the men were slain except five. These escaped because the king's ship got aground. They were aground, moreover, very inconveniently, since three were situated upon the same side of the channel with the three stranded Danish ships, and all the others were upon the other side, so that there could be no communication between the two divisions. But when the water had ebbed, many furlongs from the ships then went the danes from their three ships to the king's three ships that had been left dry upon the same side of the ebbing of the tide and they fought together there then were slain lucamon the king's reeve wolfherd the frisian and ebby the frisian and ethelhere the frisian and Ethelfirth, the king's companion, and all the men, Frisians and English, sixty-two, and of the Danes, one hundred and twenty. But the flood came to the Danish ships before the Christians could shove theirs out, and for that reason the Danes rode off. They were, nevertheless, so grievously wounded that they could not row around the land of the South Saxons. And the sea cast up there two of the ships upon the shore, and the men from them were laid to Winchester to the king, and he commanded them to be hanged there. But the men who were in the remaining ship came to East Anglia sorely wounded. Translation of Robert Sharp End of section 13 recording by simon wainwright